The Auburn Tigers must start 5-0 in 2024, and that means, yes, they must beat Oklahoma. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us on this Super Bowl Monday that should be a national holiday. Nobody wants to work today, but here everyone is. It's Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com and a million other places. And, and obviously you spent a lot of time at Plainsman Park over the weekend. We'll touch on a little Auburn baseball stuff in the last few minutes of today's show. But just looking ahead to Auburn football in 2024, Lindsay, it's a new era of college football. It's a new era of the SEC with divisions going away, which I think is the right move, but a lot of different type matchups and a different looking schedule mm-hmm. for the Auburn Tigers. And they must start 5-0 and if they're going to overachieve in 2024. Whether you think overachieving is going 8-4, and 9-3, and 10-2, it doesn't matter. Any of those options, you've got, <clears throat> you have to start 5-0. and all five of those games are at home, Lindsay, and we've seen Hugh Freeze teams in the one-year sample size at Auburn. They played better at home. It was against tougher opponents last year than I think it will be this year. But when you look at these first five games, Alabama A&M, Cal, New Mexico, Arkansas, and Oklahoma, they've got to win all five of those games to achieve the goals that they have in front of them. I would argue it's not even necessarily just to overachieve and have a you know a good record in 2024 I think it's something you need to answer a lot of questions now a lot of those questions aren't Auburn people they're national people sure but the way you ended the year last year like yes you took Alabama to the wire but the week before that you got blasted by a, a not you know by uh, yeah. a team from out west and so starting like you have questions from the outside about not going to get a new quarterback in the portal. You have questions about uh, the fit of the the coaches, the play calling, all of that stuff. People don't outside of the program don't necessarily feel like you upgraded at a lot of places, right? And so being able to come out and show that, yes, this is the right quarterback for our team. Yes, we can have a good passing offense. Yes, we can beat good teams. I think goes a lot of way to repair, and I'm using that in quotation marks because I don't think it's a big deal, but repair the damage to the Auburn reputation on the field that happened late last year. Again, I don't think you have to do that. I don't think there's really an issue here, but the perception outside the program on a national level is worse after the way the season ended last year. And I think going 5-0 really helps that case to make that, hey, Auburn's back. Yeah, or at least taking steps in the right direction. I think beating Oklahoma to go 5-0 and before you go on the road to Georgia mm-hmm. will be a huge, a huge opportunity. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of debate about any of the first four. Alabama A&M, I think playing Cal and Auburn versus on the road, I think everything that was weird and tricky about that game goes away. It's not going to be played in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's not going to be played uh, on the other side of the country. I, I just, those are the two things we were most concerned about. And those are, those are gone. You have their quarterback. Like that's right. That's right. <laughs> a lot of things going well for you in this game versus the matchup last year. 
Yes, and for those unaware, Sam Jackson, who was Cal's quarterback, is now playing receiver for Auburn via the portal. New Mexico, uh, and then Arkansas. There may be people that believe in what Arkansas is doing. I'm not in that boat. I think if if they did what they did last year with KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders, it's like, well, what, what are they going to do now? So I'm just not really sold on what Arkansas would be bringing to Auburn. But then comes Oklahoma. On September 28th, this will be Auburn's fifth game of the season in hopes of going 5-0. and And Oklahoma will have had their first ever SEC game, which is going to be, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Oklahoma and Texas, especially early on in conference play. Do they belong? Are they in the SEC? And Oklahoma opens their conference life, their SEC livelihood, uh, hosting Tennessee a team that a lot of people believe in. I mean, I, I think what Tennessee is doing is certainly you know what you want to see a program do. And I just think there's going to be a lot of emotions in that. If you're Oklahoma, and it's Oklahoma football program who, I mean, it feels like Oklahoma and Texas have been coming into the conference for years. It's finally <laughs> here. That's going to be a big moment in Norman, as it should be. It's going to be a celebration, especially if they win. And if they lose, it could be devastating, Lindsay. And then they go on the road to Auburn. And I just, I love the positioning of that in favor of the Auburn Tigers. And I'm going to give you one more thing is they go after this whole giant production of tennis. And like, honestly, you have the potential for like SEC network to be on site for that game and all kind of stuff. Yeah. But then they go to Auburn and then they have an off week to do the Red River shootout versus Texas. And so there's, I mean, and yes, there's an off week in there. It's not like it's back to back, but there's multiple reasons why you can reasonably think they may not be as up for the Auburn game as they would be for Tennessee and then for Texas in two weeks. And I don't think Oklahoma's that great of a team. Uh, honestly, I mean, they they had a weird year last year. But at the same time, it's still Oklahoma. And and mm -hmm. I think that's maybe the public perception of Oklahoma. Again, looking at a national perspective here, I think Oklahoma is seen as a better program to a lot of the country than Auburn is. And I think that the expectations for Auburn aren't going to be very high in that game. And so you have, a, you have an opening to take a victory that's going to mean more to people outside of the program than perhaps it should. And like you said, really kind of cement that 5-0 and start as this is a team that is back. We're going to be able to overachieve. We could win 10 games in 2024. I I like the timing. I like the matchup. I don't know I if this do. was deliberate on Auburn's part or this just kind of worked out with the SEC, but I like it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the SEC scheduling was nice to Auburn, but I do think the first five games were beneficial for sure. And so then that puts you in a situation because after Oklahoma – you go to Athens by week, you go to Missouri and you go to Kentucky. And that's just brutal. Like that is, we said, I said on this show, Lindsay going into the schedule reveals, like as long as they don't make it where we go to Georgia, Missouri and Kentucky all in a row, we'll be fine. That's exactly what Te they did. Technically uh, there's a bye week in there, but no, you're right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's all thanks, of those CC. It's, it's like, Hey, go on the road, take a week off and then go on the road two more times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be brutal, but we'll see. I mean, if they win one of those games, here's the crazy thing. If they go one and two in those in that three-game road stretch, which I think is probably the most likely of all of the scenarios, 
And then if they could hold serve at home, which means beat Vandy, the five games we just talked about, yeah. then beat Vandy, ULM, and Texas A&M, regardless of what happens in the Iron Bowl, like, you go into the Iron Bowl 9-2 and two if you can hold serve at home. Can you do that? I don't know. I don't know. But the, I, do, I, I don't see a home game on this schedule that's just unwinnable. I will also give you this for when you're looking at Auburn versus Georgia. The week before Auburn, Georgia goes on the road to Alabama. That's so that did work out well from a scheduling perspective because even though Nick Saban's not there, yeah. it still feels like that's another one of those games like Oklahoma hosting Tennessee. That's another one of those games that you circle on the calendar and, you know, Kirby Smart and the team are probably working. They have a bye week before that. They are spending a bunch of time to get ready for Alabama because I'm sure Kirby Smart wants to establish Nick Saban's gone. We are the unquestioned leaders of the SEC. Mm -hmm. You know, this is our conference until until otherwise until said otherwise. And it's another situation where you have to wonder, are they going to be as up for Auburn at home as they were to go to Alabama and maybe put the nail in the Alabama dynasty uh, by hopefully destroying them after Saban leaves? So, yeah, I mean, that'd be great. Yeah, it's uh, it's. The schedule, yes, Auburn schedule as a whole kind of sucks in the month of of October, but mm -hmm. that is a good break you get because your first two SEC tests, first two, two of your first three SEC tests, because Arkansas technically exists, um, you you have the benefit of them being distracted by other factors before you play them. Right, right. So all in all, I, that that five and zero stretch I think is crucial, largely due in fact to the those that three game road stretch in uh, in October. I just think that's going to be brutal. Mm -hmm. It's going to be brutal. And there's a chance Kentucky's not what we think they'll be. I think Missouri's going to be good, but we'll see. Uh, so yeah, got to beat Oklahoma to cap off a five and zero start in Jordan Hare Stadium. Lindsay, some things over the weekend just made me feel thankful. And I'll say it. It's great to be an Auburn Tiger, and I'll explain why in just a moment. Right here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. We love our friends at LinkedIn Jobs because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn is not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Lindsey Crosby, our guest. Happy Monday, everyone. Two things happened over the weekend, Lindsay, that just made me feel grateful to support this program, to be an Auburn alum. The first happened Friday when Chip Kelly, the former UCLA head coach, said, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to go be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Of course, Ohio State lost their offensive coordinator, it was Bill O'Brien, to be the head coach for Boston College which I think is a good fit. I think it's a good hire. I think it's yeah. everybody wins in that situation, including Ohio State, because they upgraded and got Chip Kelly, a guy 
who is a sitting head coach at a school that we all say benefited from college football's realignment. With all these conference pieces moving around, it was kind of assumed if you were one of the teams that got out of the Pac-12 and moved either to the Big 12 or the Big 10, you all felt good about it. I think what happened on Friday proves that that's not really true. Just because you got into a better conference doesn't mean it's better for your school. And I was jealous of other markets that got to cover their school in realignment just because it's exciting and it's mm -hmm. polarizing. There's so many different ways to discuss, debate, and talk about it. But, Lindsay, now that it's done, and in hindsight, we're starting to see fallout from places like UCLA that tell everybody and tell themselves that it's a solid football program, when in reality, you'd rather be, even in the same conference, they're a Big Ten team now, even in the same conference that somebody would rather be an OC than a head coach for another team in your own conference, isn't it just nice to be connected to a program that was already in a good situation? That they didn't need to just change and uproot and take these massive risks and to go into these new waters. In fact, other programs, like we just talked about with Oklahoma and Texas, they wanted to come be a part of the SEC. And I just think there isn't enough time spent from the like SEC incumbency point of view where it's like, man, it is nice that we never really had to go through that. I like the fact that you don't have to try to figure out cross-country travel mid-season, right? Oh, my goodness. Like, UCLA plays at Rutgers in New Jersey in mid-October. And I know that we, <laughs> we we give lip service at best to the to the student part of student-athlete. But, like, you can't tell me that multiple cross-country trips – in the middle of the season is good for your school, for your program, for your players. No, and way. I like the fact that you don't have to do that. Like, yes, Auburn went to Cal for a game last year, but like you're not making Auburn's not making multiple trips out west. I love the fact that your like schools wanted to join you. You didn't have to go find somewhere else, and you your conference, the SEC here, at least makes some geographic sense. Like, theoretically, mm. as a fan of Auburn, if I wanted to go to any road game, I could realistically make that drive. Now, do I want to drive to Texas? No, but I could. You don't have to hop on a plane to go see your team play a conference game. That's nice. And mm -hmm. teams wanting to join you, that's nice. And it's just the stability, I think, is something that is appealing to me. And then obviously we saw the uh, the payouts come to each team from the SEC and how much that's increased. It's still a top two payout per conference. It it's nice. I like it a lot. This is this is a good feeling to be have the stability of one of the premier conferences, if not the premier conference in college sports. Yeah, it's just it's fun to watch from afar. But man, I'm glad because I mean I, I talked to our locked on UCLA host after the news happened. He's like, this is terrible. UCLA. This is awful. Yeah. It's awful. I mean, it's too late to hire anybody. The portal's already impacted. You're going to have guys leave and not go through spring. It's brutal. And it's just, it's just thankful we didn't have to go through all of that. Yeah. The other thing is, is it happened up north of the northern part of the state in Tuscaloosa with Alabama losing offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb, who was the best part of that staff. He was the part of the new Alabama staff that concerned me the most. 
Mm-hmm. And stories came out from Seattle outlets because he, he left Alabama to go take the same job with the Seattle Seahawks, be their OC. And they said that this was set up. They just waited 30 days for Alabama's transfer portal window to close before he left. And it's like, wow, that's just out there. I mean, yeah. there are, these are outlets that, you know, th- they wouldn't just say that unless they really felt that. So, and, and believe that and were told that. I just think that's a bad look. I just think it's a bad look, Lindsay, to say, hey, we're going to purposely deceive these kids, think they know who they're going to play for in all this time of turmoil when they already thought they were going to play for the greatest college football coach of all time. Let's just deceive them a little bit more and say, hey, yeah, it's going to be Ryan Grubb. He's the most exciting part of the staff. He's a big part of why DeBoer was so successful at Washington. Yeah, And then, okay, window closes, boom, he leaves. That's just, once again, thankful we didn't have to deal with that. I've got uh, I've got two thoughts here. The first thought is it's really funny to me how they had one OC quality coach outside of your head coach, and he's the one that left. Whereas they have like four or five defensive coordinators, and none of them are gone. I think that's hilarious. Uh, and then a lot two, of co DCs going on. A lot yeah. of co DCs, and then two. And Charlie Five made a great tweet over the weekend about this, kind of pointing this out. Love Auburn Auburn lost Jeremy Gary. He's fine. Auburn lost Jeremy Garrett to the NFL, right? But the difference in how this was treated, right? Jeremy Garrett was very open to the players that he was getting interviews with the NFL. He accepted the job and then stayed behind to talk to players, talk to recruits, you know, explain what happened and all of that stuff. Whereas Grubb and Alabama, in essence lied about the whole situation. There's news Yikes. articles quoting Grubb talking about he was going to be at Alabama. He was going to be the play caller. He was going to be part of the staff that were like just days before the announcement was made. Like he knew at that point in time he was leaving. And it's just, it's it's reassuring to know that like Auburn is the picture of stability and treating players the right way. And you saw the players' response. You saw the players, they were happy for Jeremy Garrett. They then got their uh, their choice of Yeah, Vontrell taking over. Right, Vontrell yeah. King-Williams, sure. They were thrilled about that, but they knew the entire time what was going on. They knew who the options were. They knew what was happening. And in this era of athlete empowerment, where you can enter the portal, you can transfer, you're receiving pay you know via nil to be at the school yeah it just feels like lying to your players and misleading deceiving your players if you think lying is too harsh a word whatever misleading and deceiving your players just blows my mind that that is the default and to think about how this alabama program has almost i'm 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 I'm, i don't want to say stoop to that level i I don't recognize it I mean, it's been a machine for the last decade and a half. And for the first time, like, this is what it's been since Saban's retired. It's, I mean, it's exactly what the Auburn perspective wanted to see. Just like, man. And, like, everything that they do just gets masked by media saying how great it is. But it's like, I don't see it. I don't see it. Look, I mean, (laughs) and, like, and, like, I will acknowledge the calculus here is that, okay, yes, you may damage relationships within the program by doing this, mm-hmm. but they can't actually physically, I say physically, actually enter the portal until the end of the semester. 
And so they can be pissed off about it. They can be mad about it. But you have time to rebuild the relationship. I would rather just not damage a relationship in the first place. It just blows my mind. Yeah, it's it's, it's it was an interesting move, and that to me was is a huge off season story. I think with Ryan like, Grubb, Ryan Grubb was a big part of why that Washington offense was so successful. I mean, obviously he was a play caller. So uh, I think I think DeBoer losing him is going to be a larger deal that a lot of the messaging from Tuscaloosa is going to lead on. We'll see. We'll never fully know, but I, I just, I, I believe it's a big deal. And then again, just the way it was handled. What a massive unforced error. There was no reason for this to go the way that it did. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. wow. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. So you spent a lot of time at Plainsman Park this weekend. Yep. We will discuss how good this Auburn baseball team can be this year in just a moment, right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel hopes, and I hope that you were great with all of your picks regarding Super Bowl 58 last night. And uh, you need to get uh, your brackets ready, as well as uh, just kind of your college basketball watching eyes ready um, with FanDuel because right now new customers they get $150 in bonus bets with it winning with any winning $5 bet that's $150 if your bet wins and obviously college basketball is all over the place right now over at FanDuel as well as the NBA so be sure to check that out you can bet on uh, quick bets live same game parlays exclusive props and more just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to shoot your shot FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of the NBA, the NFL, and the Locked On Podcast Network. Zach Blackerby, Lindsey Crosby, here with you. I went about a week and a half ago to one of the first or second open practices um, to to watch Butch Thompson and uh, the Auburn Baseball Tigers, and I love the pitching, Lindsey. I love the potential, and I mean, we talk a lot about floor and ceiling, the ceiling for these pitchers for Auburn baseball this year, it's very high. Yeah, you've got, I think your 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 two, your first two starters, and I say first two starters not as in the first two games of a series, but just your number one and number two are okay. set in Chase Alsop and Joseph Gonzalez. Uh Gonzalez was virtually a lock to go to MLB before he Got, I think, four innings all year last year because of that shoulder issue that he had to have surgery on. It stinks. Yeah, but you have the... So you add him into the staff, a very experienced, very high-performing college pitcher to Chase Alsup, who, honestly, from what I saw this weekend, is one of the more improved pitchers on Auburn staff. Yeah. Uh, Gives you a very high floor for a one and a two. And then what I love is you have a ton of options for that number three spot. And you may not see a guy take over that number three role for a while, right? Because you've got so many guys you can rotate through. You've got Christian Herberholtz, who is back. You brought in Carson Myers from UAB, a guy who accomplished college starter. You've got freshman uh, Cam Tilly, who his splitter may be the best single pitch on campus. You've got um, sophomore Dylan Watts, a junior college guy who was drafted by the Brewers the end of the draft last year and chose to come to Auburn. And so you have a, a ton of high floor 
options in your starting rotation. And then you brought back 80% of your innings from last year. So you have a ton of experience in the bullpen, guys who could come in and turn a lineup over, give you two, three innings, guys who could come in in an emergency and shut down a rally, a Tanner Bowman, a Will Cannon, a John Armstrong. You brought, you know, guys like Zach Crotchfelt are looking at bullpen roles on this roster. Just, I love the pitch. This is probably the most talented and complete staff I feel like Butch Thompson's had in a while, right? Yeah. Because it's just a ton of experience, guys who pitched a lot last year, and then you add in some really talented additions to it between your high school ranks in Tilly, between junior college and Dylan Watts, and between your transfers with guys uh, like Carson Myers. And so I feel good about having options in the rotation and guys that can get you through the first part of the the non-conference schedule. And then the big question is going to be, for me, once you get past your brutal month of March, who has settled into their roles for the stretch run, the patented Butch Thompson, we're going to dominate the back half of the SEC schedule and go be hot as we get to the postseason. Right. Yeah, so there's so much talk, and you know, obviously we'll get to see this team Friday on opening day. Mm-hmm. But as far as guys at the plate, there's so much excitement for Bobby oh, Pierce. Yes. The the young guys, Ike Irish and uh, Chris Stanfield. I mean, there's so much pop in this lineup. Who are some other guys you're expecting to see some, uh, some offense out of? Uh, Cooper McMurray is going to have a big year. I watched him this week, and he was still, he didn't run a bunch on the bases. They would pinch run for him after he got a base hit, which was seemingly every time he came to bat, because mm-hmm. he's still recovering from an ankle thing, like a minor ankle procedure he had in fall. But I watched him crush two home runs to right field this weekend. Uh, I mean, change up, down, gone to right field. Fastball up, gone to right, didn't matter. Uh, so having him as your cleanup hitter, gives you a very high floor. I mean, he's a good defensive first baseman. He's a better power hitter. And having that core of your lineup be Chris Stanfield leading off, probably fastest fastest player on the team, definitely. Sneaky power, I think we don't talk about that enough. Mm -hmm. But Chris Stanfield, and then being able to have Ike Irish, Bobby Pierce, Cooper McMurray in a line. I watched Irish, Pierce, and McMurray take, like, just put three runs up on Joseph Gonzalez in the span of like six pitches. It was it was absurd. Ike Irish had a first pitch single. Uh, hit, they did a hit run. Bobby Pierce had a first pitch base hit. Irish is on third. And then uh, somebody called a changeup off of Gonzalez and that was, McMurray crushed it to right. And it's like three runs and like seven pitches. That's the kind of damage this lineup can do. And then you've got so many guys you added to the roster. A Christian Hall out of UAB can be your DH, you can play some first base. You legitimately have probably 10 or 11 offensive options. So you can mix and match based on what you need to do. And it's going to be, you're going to see a lot of that mixing and matching because you are you have a lot of extra games early in your non-conference schedule. And then when your conference schedule gets here, let me, March is going to be brutal. Okay, yeah. just up front. You start off on the road at Vanderbilt, probably the best team in the East. Then you have a home series against Arkansas, who is always tough. And then you go on the road to Texas A&M, who's probably going to win the West. Either Arkansas or Texas A&M is going to win the West. And that is your first three conference series. So it's going to, Auburn's on paper, not going to look like 
they are probably going to make the postseason when that stretch is over. But then after that, just like these Butch Thompson teams always do, they'll figure out who should be in what role, and they're just going to make a ridiculous run. We're going to be hosting a regional again in Plainsman Park come June. Yeah, yeah, I think that's well said. And, I mean, we've seen it over and over and over again. So at this point, that must be surprising if it didn't happen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, opening day this Friday. Be sure to get out there and support these Auburn Tigers. Lindsay, how can people check out everything you've got going on? The college baseball stuff, auburndaily.com. We're going to have coverage, tons of stuff coming up from multiple people for yep. this. If you're a, a minor league baseball person, Locked on MLB Prospects, number one daily minor league baseball podcast. And then if you're a professional baseball person, bravestoday.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Yeah, you can find all my written work at auburndaily.com and bravestoday.com as well. And we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.